0: Welcome to ATL Day 1's coming up today. Why hate? Just appreciate the brilliance of the Braves and the Hawks. Still patting the draft. Now what? And for the culture, all that smoke that was the NBA draft and maybe a little something about some unis that Dylan says he still wants to see around. Let's go, Day 1 fams. This is ATL Day 1's, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Thank you guys so much for making ATL Day Ones part of your day. ATL Day Ones, of course, is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, you know, we had a special guest in the house yesterday. He's back today. Dylan Matthews, host of 92.9 The Games Hometown Take. He's back. Big Dylan, you know what's up. It's the yeah. Braves, right? Right. You know what's up, right? You right? know
1: what's up. We know yes. what's
0: up. Braves beat the Phillies, five-one in ten innings to extend their winning streak—not to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but eight games. What was most important to you in that win? Now, I threw out there that it could be Bryce Elder going seven scoreless innings. It could be right Seal Iglesias finally getting the save his third of the year. It could be the big bats that smoked the heck out of and made some announcer big mad and extras. But whatever the case, what do you think was maybe the thing that was most important in that kind of signature win?
1: T, I got to go with what you said first. I got to go with Bryce Elder continuing to be that dude that just steps up when the Braves need him the most. Seven innings, gave up only Three hits, two walks, no runs. I mean, dude was spectacular. I mean, there really was just no fly. It was a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Aaron Nola was good, but those great bats got to the bullpen at the end. But Bryce Elder is the story for me, continuing what has been, honestly, a pretty masterful season so far for Bryce Elder.
0: Yeah, and I think the way you said it was perfect. When he needs to step up, he does. And so you look at that slider and you just look at Ooh. how much, com- yeah, how much command he has with his pitches. It's like he knows what he's got in the arsenal, right? right? But he also knows when to put it where it needs to be put. And And you say that and it sounds like such a basic statement, but the reality is that's an issue that we know Spencer Strider had had for some critical portion, a good portion of this season, right? So that control, that command, that poise matters, especially when, to your point, Dylan, you don't have any run support because the guy who's on the bump for the other team is right there pound for pound with you. So you need to have that kind of game. And also, as always, to go seven innings, to go that deep in the game is critical. And other than the one run that Nick Anderson gave up, it really was a stellar outing also by the bullpen. And we know that Rysel Iglesias definitely sometimes, shoot, <laughs> you, you know, he, he, he gets a little twitch. Yeah, you get triggered yeah. a little bit, maybe. You do. You really, really do. But ultimately speaking, he even did his job last yep. night. And I thought another interesting point there as well. You cannot say enough about the bats. Just yes. really coming alive in the 10th inning and saying, OK, we couldn't get it done necessarily against Aaron Nola. But guess what? We're going to go ahead and exploit the heck out of this bullpen for the Phillies. And we're going to exploit a guy that looks like what our guy looks like sometimes. So I think if to me, it's like the Spider-Man me: Kyle Schwarber, Marcelo Zuna, all the same. What? Exactly. <laughs> typically bad in the outfield, typically Bad at the plate, bad meaning good at the plate. So Kyle Schwarber yeah. showed the bad of who he and Marcelo Zuna are typically in the outfield. And you know, our guy Grant McCauley, who is actually of both 92-9 the game and our Locked On Braves postcast, talked about this earlier today. On the show that you executive produced and said, Hey, yep. that call was actually, you know, it was a misplayed ball in left field, two outs yep. that allowed two runs to go to score. So the way it was called and the way it went down was accurate in terms yep. of how it played out. And then, of course, the guy who probably would have done the same thing if he was outfield, (laughs) thank God, was not. Marcelo Zuda was at the plate, went ahead and hit the two-run home run that gave the Braves the 5-0 lead. But buried in there, I think you can't miss out on the fact that Austin Riley did his thing. You can't miss out on the fact that Michael Harris II actually put that first run on the board to let the Mm -hmm. Braves know that, hey, at a minimum, now we're putting pressure on the Phillies to at least score one run to be able to extend this game. So you got to also give credit. Five runs may not look like 10 runs, may not look like 13, but when you knock them all out in one inning with authority on the Mm -hmm. road against a team in the Phillies who, you know what they did to you in the NLDS last year, you didn't forget. You said it yesterday, and I wanted to bring it back up today, Dylan. You said you wanted to see a dominant win because you wanted to see the Braves show the Phillies and the rest of the division exactly who they are, Mm -hmm. the National
1: League leader in wins. That's right. Needed to show them that we still them ones in the NL East and really the National League overall still runs through Atlanta and the Braves. And you even got a little taste of that. You teased it to start the show. We had the announcers big man. And I don't even think it's really when you get down to the root of why they said what they said on their broadcast, calling Ron Washington, who's one of the nicest dudes on the planet, calling him unprofessional for giving his guy a handshake, which they called a hand dance, which what I've never heard of a hand dance before, but Anywho, I think when you get down to the root of their real frustration, it's not about Marcelo Zuna going around the bases. It's not about him giving dap to Ron Washington. It's about them being sick and tired of getting beat by the Atlanta Braves, and I love it. So I couldn't even really be that mad at it. It was a little annoying. It was obnoxious on their part, but they just sick and tired of beating the Braves. And you know what? They wish they were us, and, you know, how could, how could I blame them for wanting to be, you know, the NL East leaders right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would want to aspire to excellence if I were right. them. So, I, like you said, can't be mad at them because they're just mad at the guy who you know you have to beat
1: mm-hmm. to
0: be the man. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And the thing about it is, like you said, I thought this was another hilarious stat. And this is a very, how do I say, this is a very Grant Macaulay stat, right? So, yeah. And you guys, I'm sure if you do catch Lockdown Braves, you already know that this is his type of stat where he literally says, how can you actually go there when one of the Phillies, so so, there's actually a stat out there that takes into account the amount of time it takes you to round the bases. Okay, That's Marcelo great. Zuna, it takes <laughs> you 29 seconds. It yeah. does take you pretty much the longest in the majors. Right. But there's a guy on the Phillies team that takes him 27, so miss me with that. Like you said, it's right. not so much about the trot. And the DAP-Up, and there is a hand dance thing, by the way. It's based out of the DMV, so it actually does exist. Oh, for All- I yes, 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 there is <laughs> hand dancing. I actually used to uh, take lessons from someone, oddly enough, in that. But real talk, right? that's not what that was about. That yeah. was about <laughs> you knowing that I'll, although you caught the Braves when you were on a run last year, Phillies, ultimately speaking, the Braves are still the better team, and they did show that. And how do we know that they're the better team? Well, vote-getters are saying the same thing because, Mm -hmm. voters rather, because Ronald Acuna Jr. was the overall top vote getter and he has an automatic advance and an automatic bid essentially to the All-Star Game. It will be announced that Thursday, but that's not just the story. The rest of the story is the fact that there are a whole bunch of other Braves that are moving on as well. Sean Murphy, yep. Orlando Arcia, Matt Olsen, Michael Harris II, Ozzy Albies, and Austin Riley, or as I like to sum it up and say, pretty much the Braves starting lineup. Right. Is this not <laughs> the example of whole squad ready?
1: I mean, it's the ultimate example of whole squad ready. All the team, the whole team, are all stars. All stars, all stars. Get it? You know, I'm playing words, but anyway, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, it, it is amazing feat, and it just goes to show that not only is the whole squad ready, like you said, but it just also goes to show the popularity of the Braves. And, you know, you have to accredit that to, you know, back in the day being on TBS and being on a national stage consistently um, because the Braves travel. I mean, any city you go to, whether it's Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, it don't matter. The Braves travel everywhere, and they're a popular team, not only because they're good, first of all, and most importantly, but they're also fun to watch. How could you not, like watching the leading vote-getter in this year's All-Star Game in Ronald Acuna Jr. How could you not love watching Ozzy Albies do his thing? Orlando Arcea, money Mike when he hits a home run, throwing up the dollar signs. This team is not only good, but they're fun to watch, and that's why fans gravitate towards this team. They not only look like they're having fun out there, but they actually are having fun out there, and you can see that, and you can hear that uh, all throughout when you go watch them, when you listen to them on the radio, whatever you're doing, Whenever you're taking in some Braves baseball, you see they're having fun out there, and that translates.
0: Yeah, and in addition to the Reds having one of the longest winning streaks right now in the majors at 11, Braves have an eight-game winning streak themselves. Mm -hmm. That's why that Reds-Braves game tonight is sold out because, yeah, there are people definitely there to see the Reds as they are streaking really well right now, but they're also there to see the Braves because of the product that they put on the field. It's going to be very, very interesting up there tonight. AJ smith Schauber, Luke Weaver, they're going to be battling again. So we'll see if we see yet another pitcher's duel. The bats are going to be big for both of those teams. And also it might actually come down to the bullpen because just like the Braves have some studs as far as closers and in relief, Hey, there's a guy out there, I believe his name is, uh, it's Edwin Diaz's brother. We talked about it er earlier Uh, this morning. Alexis Alexis, Diaz, Diaz. yeah. 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 So they've got some guys too. So this should be an interesting showdown and maybe one of the biggest tests outside of the divisional test that the Braves have seen thus far with a first pitch tonight at 640. Now, when we continue talking, we're going to talk about whether or not some big moves were made with another team in this city, and that is whether or not the Hawks made big moves just moves, chess, not checkers. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. But first, I want to tell you guys about FanDuel. FanDuel, of course, is all about baseball because they're the official partner of Major League Baseball. And this baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel because it's America's number one sports book. Now, customers that are new to FanDuel can get a snow sweat first bet up to $1,000. Who can't use an extra G? All of us. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets, but that's if your first bet doesn't win. Now just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today and think about it. Now is that time where you're hearing all kinds of interesting bets. If it's on the baseball side, of course, over under on um, how many hits, how many runs rather, The Braves and Reds are going to score tonight. That might be a bet that you want to put in place. You might want to put in place a bet as well. How many Braves actually end up making it to the all-star game? And on the NBA side of things, now all the bets are okay. Now that we know it's Victor Wambinyama, it's Brandon Miller, it's Scoot Henderson, which one of those three guys, or even Chet Holmgren from last year, because, of course, he didn't get to play his rookie season, so he gets in the mix officially as a rookie this season. Who's going to walk away with rookie of the year? So those are some of the bets that are going on, and we know some of those moves in the NBA, like the Chris Paul potential move to the Golden State Warriors, who now has the juice in the West. You want to talk about it? You want to bet about it? Go to FanDuel.com. Don't miss your chance to snag also a no-sweat-first bet Up to $1,000, like we said, when you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. And again, they are the official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, speaking of partners, whether you talk about the draft or whether you talk about free agency, seems like you always need a partner in crime in the Mm -hmm. NBA in order to do whatever deal it is that needs to be done. Now, the first... One, two, three. Yeah, we'll call it the first couple of moves, if you will. Two out of the three moves at least did not require a partner. But of course, the third move on behalf of the Hawks did last night. So we talked about the fact that Landry Fields, I wouldn't say tipped his hand necessarily, but kind of sort of tipped his hand when he was asked last week about the possibilities of what he would do in the draft. Two things he said that I want to go back to before we get into it. And I want to ask what your thoughts were as well on that. Here's what Landry Fields had to say as far as whether or not they were actually going to stand pat at 15. He said, yeah, it was very likely. It was a high probability. So that kind of told you all you needed to know. Right. Again, our guy Jeff Schultz from The Athletic asked that question. I then followed up and said, hey, are you looking for a guy that is more about the internal focus for this Hawks team versus maybe kind of looking over your shoulder and seeing what the rest of the Eastern Conference is looking to do. And he said, yeah, we're actually okay with looking internally to see where we want to fit people in, who fit the culture, who fit what we're trying to do, and then ultimately to develop them from there. So considering those two main mentions that Landry Field said just a week ago, Dylan, are you shocked or do you feel like last night's draft was a confirmation of what he said last week?
1: It was definitely a confirmation. I mean, he basically stayed true to what he said he was going to do and what the organization was going to do. He also talked about it in that press year speaking about how they were OK getting a guy who was maybe more on the developmental side than an instant impact type of dude. And I think Kobe Puffkin, who was the 15th overall pick, I think he is a guy who was definitely a little bit developmental. But I, I do think that he could possibly have a chance I mean just like any rookie could have a chance but I think he he does have a chance to you know maybe play a little bit more than most people may think because of what he provides on the defensive end very good defensive player uh, can shoot a little bit too so uh, he can play off ball so he he has he has some tools that could allow him to maybe play a little bit earlier than expected but I do think at the end of the day that we're going to see him play probably a little bit more in College Park than we see him play in Atlanta in State Farm Arena. But I know, Tanitra, you you feel like you it was slightly underwhelming, yes. but... I, I actually like I actually like the pick. I got to be honest. I actually like the pick. I, I like what Kobe can provide. Again, you talk about his ability to move off the ball and be good either on the ball or off the ball. He talked about that in his post-game uh, media, uh press conference yet last night. And he said he could do either one, and that could take pressure off of Trey and or DeJounte, and then he could also move off the ball. So we, yeah. we talked about it yesterday. We never really saw – that Trey Young off-ball movement that we expected to see when DeJounte Murray did come to town last season, around this time last year. So maybe Kobe is a guy who can fill that role, and he could be that off-the-ball guy, and and, and he can be the one getting set up by Trey Young and or DeJounte Murray. So, you know, he could be a a 3 and D guy, a guy who could be your backup point guard, who at times could be both. So Mm -hmm. I like the versatility, and also we have to talk about the improvements Kobe made from year one to year two during his time at Michigan 22 percent three-point shooter yeah. in year one as a freshman <laughs> jumped all the yes. way up to 35. to 35 yeah that is I impressive 46 percent yeah and year two so the improvements is there um obviously you starting the the points were a big jump as well went from three to 14 uh, right. I think that's more of a product to him getting more minutes but really for me it's, it's a three-point percentage so he's working on his game seems yeah. like a bit of a gym rat so He's got some qualities that you like to see in any young player.
0: He does indeed. And one of the things that I like about him as well is you're under the tutelage of Juwan Howard. So he's someone who knows how to give you all the tools that you're going to need and to help you to understand the importance of being a two-way player. And really and truly, if you want to get minutes, as we saw last season, when you look at Jalen Johnson and the increase in his minutes and maybe the degree – decrease in AJ Griffin's minutes. I think a lot of that was because Jalen Johnson was able to give a defensive presence, especially with bring some help, at least, on the perimeter. And so wherever you can bring that help defensively, that's a good thing. And you think about those breaks that Trey Young wanted to take at the end, or really always has taken, not wanted to take, but has taken at the end of the first quarter. And in some cases, the beginning of the second quarter, when you have a guy like Bucket in the space, in the mix, you may have a little bit more confidence should he be on the main roster as opposed to the Skyhawks, you have the confidence that, hey, he's going to give you just enough in the way of a three-point shooter for that second unit, but also, which may be more important, is he's going to provide you with that defensive presence and he has a desire to play defense because that's what Quinn Snyder is looking for. He's looking for more players who are willing, interested, and able to either be two-way players or are open to learning how to become better two-way players. So I think that's one of those things that ultimately makes him a little bit more appealing. I think for me the disappointment wasn't so much in Bufkin or even Seth Lundy or even mm-hmm. Muhammad Gay. I, that piece wasn't it for me. I was just hoping mm-hmm. against hope because I really did feel like they were going <laughs> to stick with those picks. I yeah, was yeah. just hoping against hope that maybe they were going to do some type of packaging of a deal mm-hmm. such that they yeah. could maybe use what little draft capital they had left Got to it. maybe move to, get, to put themselves in position to get a player. And, hey, that's not to say that they're done, right? We can right. start that conversation about free agency next week, assuming they're not going to do anything over the weekend, but you never know. Right. But ultimately <laughs> speaking, it's kind of like, no, we're looking at what we have in the here and now, and what you have in the here and now, indeed, would be three developmental players. But I will tell you this. I thought that it was interesting because, of course, we talked about a couple different players last night, but Kasan Wallace went very quickly. So did Derek Lively, and those were kind of the two that everyone was bantering about. And Mm -hmm. so it became obvious, okay, wow, you know, where did the hugs go now? And then, of course, they go out and pick Muhammad Gay, getting the acquiring the draft rights to that pick that went to the Celtics. Now that is a work in progress, but I thought that was interesting because we also spoke last night about the possibilities of the shifting around of the front court. And what it could mean if you exit someone like John Collins or even if you exit someone like Clint Capella, who and what do you need to backfill that and how do you bring depth in that space? Although you do have it a little bit, you've got Jalen Johnson, you've got Sadiq Bey, and you probably could shift. A.J. Griffin is kind of a chameleon to me. To me, he could probably go two, three, or four and be quite fine. But where do you kind of bolster those guys who kind of sit at the four or five? Right. and maybe that's what he is. I'll be in a developmental player. May take a couple years to bring him there. But I thought that it was interesting that this was yet another piece from last night's draft for the Hawks that Moer spoke to the future versus maybe the now and again. Let's be honest. <laughs> Unless you're selecting in the top 5, maybe the top 8, right. You're not looking at the guy to be your win now guy anyway, nope. but again, I was just thinking, well, heck, if we're going to stay in the draft, like, I mean, okay, that's what we're going to yeah. do, but okay. <laughs> that's
1: just me. No, I'm just going
0: to sit back and wait for free agency.
1: That, there you go. Just to sit back and see, you know, what the move didn't come last night, but that's not to say, like you said, it won't come. But I think you're absolutely right about Muhammad Gay. That seems like when you've been talking about playing chess and not checkers that seems like it could be maybe that chess move or at least doing a really good job of maybe looking ahead into the future and you know knowing that the end could be coming up on clink capella or knowing maybe a move could possibly be coming with john collins and you have to make sure you're set up uh for the after you know what what's after that move so I do think that could be a piece there. And again, you know, a developmental guy and sometimes look, a lot of times it usually takes guys a couple of years to really uh, bloom uh, for lack of a better term. Um, So, you know, that's why there's no rush on a guy like Muhammad. Again, you can kind of take that chance and you can make a move like that because, You do have Clint and you can have a couple of a few more years with Clint and you don't have to rush this guy. So, you know, I think that was one of those moves that you that you've talked about uh, these past couple of days and playing chess, not checker. So I I like the move. We'll see what he turns into. But I definitely think he could be a guy you might want to just keep your peripheral vision on uh, going into the next few seasons.
0: Right. And I think one thing that did make me a little more comfortable today, Dylan, was a report that came out from Brian Windhorst from ESPN. And so if that report has some weight to it, he said that there has been sort of an edict put out there, for lack of a better term, that the Hawks really need to do away with the luxury tax and kind of get from under it. So if that information is indeed accurate, then the moves last night make perfect sense. But every day, what do you guys think? I mean, we'd love to hear from you. Were you okay? Do you feel like the Hawks made some solid moves since they did decide to go ahead and keep their two picks and then actually add another to the fold? Or were you looking for them to do something different than what they did? And if you like the picks, what do you like about them? You know what you can tell us, right? You can drop comments at our YouTube channel, And, of course, it's ATL Day ones all day, every day. You can check us out each and every day, no matter what. We're always here for you. And if you're driving down the road in Atlanta, it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Why don't you go ahead and download us wherever you download your podcast as well. Because, hey, we're your team every day talking about your teams every day. Now, we're going to continue a little bit of our NBA draft talk, but we're going to shift it into the fun part and for the culture. Because, hey, that's what we like to do. We like to just have a little fun kicks and giggles nothing we take seriously and for the culture before we go back to the nba draft to wrap it up with some of the fun stuff we saw last night dylan you Mm -hmm. said that you might be a little sad feeling some type of way because the gradient
1: uniforms for the falcons
0: might be going bye-bye
1: i like the gradient uniforms i don't know why they've been getting so much hate like I understand they may not look the best on a fan of a fan to wear, but you see the actual players wearing it with the with the shoulder pads and the whole thing. I actually like the gradient uniforms. Now it could be because red and black are my favorite colors. And even before I could became, be. you know, one of the ATL day ones, red and black was all, always one of my favorite colors. I just gravitated towards those colors. So you know, maybe it's part of that. But I like the gradient jerseys. I, I, and, and again, if the reports are true, Arthur Smith, they're doing away with them. I'm going to mis- maybe share one little tear because I want them to stay. Right. Well, I will tell you when I saw
0: them initially, I was like, oh, those are those are cool. So I don't hate them. Yeah. But it's more of like when I see alternate uniforms like uh, the uh, city uniforms for yeah. the Hawks real fly the MLG right. uniforms for the Hawks some of the oh, kits yeah. that we've seen the alternate kits for United smoke just fire yeah. or when the Braves go to the throwback oh Ooh, my god those are amazing clean. yeah so I can't say that the gradient makes me feel some type of way that I would feel if those went away yeah. but I feel <laughs> you though because they were still kind of hot and kind of like new yeah and and it kind of reminds me of when everybody laughed when the Hawks revealed their neon uniforms, this was about six or seven years ago and the whole Mm. league was bashing them. Guess what? Then the whole league followed. So just remember, Atlanta influences everything, period. (laughs) Now, speaking of that, got a couple guys who are tied to Atlanta. Those might be your highlights or lowlights from the draft last night. But for me, I thought the Thompson twins being able to go back to back, I thought that was pretty cool because of course they played right here in Atlanta with Overtime Elite. They won a couple titles with them and they're the first twins to be drafted in that top five since the NBA-ABA merger back in I think like 1975. So for me, mm-hmm. it, yeah. So for me, it was kind of seeing Amon and Aser, Asar get that kind of shine and be tied to the Atlanta basketball scene, just like seeing Scoot Henderson go number three to the Blazers. Because I really feel like low key, and you can appreciate this because you sometimes do play by play for some of our local mm-hmm. high school teams. It just reminds everybody, yes, this is a football machine. Yes, we understand Georgia's number three in football recruiting in the country and sometimes number two and even hovers around one. But do not sleep on the basketball scene here because Atlanta has produced more than enough McDonald's All-Americans. And that goes not just for the NBA, but also for the WNBA. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout out the Thompson twins for what they were able to do at Overtime Elite. but also acknowledge what uh, the Cal alum was able to do as well in Scoot Henderson getting that number three spot.
1: Yeah, we got to start putting more respect on, and yes. not to say anybody does, but we got to start putting some more respect on the basketball talent that comes out of the state of Georgia. Everybody knows about the football, like you said, but the basketball talent, I mean, we're talking about Anthony Edwards. We're talking about the Thompson Twins. We're yes. talking about School Henderson. And I mean, they're talking about Maya Moore. I mean, know. we're talking yeah, about Kyle Don't, don't play. Too. I mean, they yes. so much. And, and we can't forget about um, uh, Sharif Cooper, Taylor Cooper. Exactly. Sister. Yes,
0: it goes on and on. You're so right.
1: There's so much talent here, basketball wise. And that's, you know, kind of why just to go down a quick rabbit hole. I mean, that's kind of why we get so upset at the the, the local college teams like, yo, you, y'all got all this talent here. What, what, what's going on? The the Alabamas are stealing on our players, the Auburns, the Tennessees, the Arkansas. They're still our players. But anywho, again, different story for a different day. But no. Seeing the Thompson Twins get that accomplishment, seeing their whole family there, that was amazing. Uh, Seeing Scoot's family there, his his sister in attendance. I mean, that is just so cool, seeing those guys live out their dreams and know that they have, you know, pieces of Georgia and, you know, Scoot Case, a lot of Georgia tied into them. I mean, that is just so cool. And it just goes to show that not only does Georgia produce uh, football athletes, but we just produce athletes, athletes in general. Athletes, yeah. football, basketball. Yes, I mean, yes, we just you are so athletes. right.
0: You are so very right about that. And it's just exciting to see just the amount of shine that those guys are getting. You just keep yes. watching and you'll see that there's a lot of talent here. And like you said, I think Damon Stoudemire... Mike white. I believe they understand the assignment. So I, I'm going to expect in the next two to three years to see more of these homegrown products retained right here. So that we have some good basketball that's played on the collegiate level, but that said one more thing before we wrap up your best fit last night, your worst fit or head scratcher. (laughs) I'm going to leave that up to you. But the one you saw where you're like, ah, he did that. The one you saw, ah, he he did that.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, it's like, like, Scoot outfit was cool, but I'm I'm gonna give even though he's he's cold on the court. I got I was just a little Scoot's outfit. I think was a little too much for me. Like it did a little too much. I and uh, I salute Grady for what he did, but Grady Grady definitely like the it just. I like stuff that's a little bit more. I understand the the baggy is starting to come back a little bit. And I respect all that. I get all that, but like. The shoulder pad thing was giving way too shoulder pad, and like this, the whole jacket didn't really like fit him. Right. So it was I just giving. It was, yeah, it, giving.
0: Nah, yeah,
1: I, I, no. I respect him for his courage, but I think Grady's was giving the worst. Scoot wasn't uh, wasn't that bad. And you know what? I'm gonna give some respect to our guy uh, Kobe Puffkin for 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 Sean. Oh, I gotta wrap this show up cause this
0: because this is about to go down the rabbit hole. I can't with you, Dylan Matthews. I cannot. I gotta because- give him some respect. Mm-mm. No, sir, <laughs> no, ma'am, no way. Scoot Henderson, I'm giving you love because you were over the top, just like your home city is. Atlanta's what? over the top okay. and extra. You were extra, just like him. So I'm going to give uh-huh. you all the love for the extra. And no, I just wanted to give Kobe, I, I want to give him a makeover. So when he gets here, when he gets through the traffic from Hartsfield, Jackson, because he talked about our traffic and he was right. But once you get through the traffic, I want you to let me become your stylist. Because I got you. I got you someone to do your hair. We get you. I can't talk about your glasses because mine ain't that fly either. But we we got you as soon as you touch down. But, hey, everydayers, maybe you guys have some other thoughts about exactly what went down with what we know is high drama, high fashion, high over-the-topness that is the NBA draft. So, anyway, for our guy Jarvis Davis, he'll be back next week for my guy Dylan Matthews. We thank him and all of our guest co-hosts for stopping by even when I was out earlier this week, celebrating the national holiday known as my birthday. Appreciate yeah, you guys for that. AT, we, yes,
1: thank man. you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. And we so hope that on the other side, when we get to you guys Monday, we're talking about Braves winning the series up in Cincinnati. We're talking about dream, getting a couple doves dubs now that they're back home and any moves that the Hawks might make, you know, we will let you know about that. We'll talk about all things, local sports. So again, for Dylan, for Jarvis, for me, we appreciate you guys time. Have a great day weekend and go ahead and be your extra Atlanta selves.